Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Well, hey, 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 good to see you all. Listen, you're the light of the world, right? You matter. You could be that same light to somebody doing something so simple, something that seems a little crazy, but might just be God. Amen. So I'm glad to see your faces. You look extra pretty today. You look extra beautiful today. What happened? Is that sun glow? Time out in the sun? Were we in SoCal this week? What were we doing? So Southern California or South Central AK? I think South Central AK is more beautiful than Southern California, right? Not that it's a competition, but it is. It's always a competition. Uh, We're really competitive as a state, aren't we? Yeah. My Texas friends come into my office and like, man, your office is so big. It's like twice as big as my office. I go, I know. (laughs) So is everything else in Alaska, right? Okay. I know, I know. All right, we're in uh, the book of 1 John, and we're just going to plow on. We're going to press on, right? 1 John chapter 3, we're going to take a a little journey here. We're going to take 1 John chapter 3, and then we're going to skip a little portion, and we're going to tie in the same subject that is also in chapter 4, verse 7, and um, we're going to just kind of go from there, from verse 7 through, I don't know, verse 21. So we got a little bit to read today. You guys want to read the Bible? Okay, good. Well, the Bible brings life to you transformation, challenge uh, to all of us, right? It, it challenges us to just shift and come into alignment. And this is such an important passage for us to really get because it anchors our identity in him. And it's all about love. How do we live in love? And when we drift out of love, how do we fall back into love? And how do we stay in that space? And what happens? What should we expect when love when we're in a love relationship with God, what should we expect to be coming in and through our lives? So let's do this. We're going to read through all of it, and then we're going to go back and just kind of dive in. First John chapter 3, verse 11. This is my message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, your brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, 
God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Chapter four, verse seven. We're skipping a part about false prophets. We're gonna do it next week, okay? We're not gonna miss it. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God shows, showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our eyes and now testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows. Look at that. Our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If we love each other because he loved us first, or we love each other, not if. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Amen. One more passage because we haven't read enough Bible yet before we started. John 15, verse 5. That's what you were thinking, right? Boy, we just didn't read enough. Let's read some more. John is the author of 1 John, and John is also one of Jesus' tightest disciples when Jesus lived on earth. It says that John was the one whom Jesus loved. John did say that about himself, but he was very close. He was in Jesus's inner circle. He leaned against Jesus. He was very intimate and very close with Jesus. And he heard Jesus say this in John 15, I am the vine. Jesus says this about himself. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. 
We need to learn this. If, 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 this is the framework of everything that we're trying to learn here in 1 John. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. All of 1 John is like encapsulated in this John 15 passage. And we, John, John desperately, he goes over and over this in 1 John. He just pounds it into our faces just over and over again that God is love and that we need to stay connected to the vine. And when we do, a certain type of fruit will come out of our life. And I just kind of think, I wonder why. Why does John feel like he's got to just pound us over and over and over. And, if it, and this is theologically correct, what I'm about to say. <laughs> is I think it's because we suck so bad. I, I really am convinced it's because we are the most brilliant mess makers of all time. And the way we mess things up is first we see God wrong and we get confused about how much he loves us and we get caught in our own shame because we blow it all the time. And then we struggle with God's imperfect people because they and us, we are all struggling with one another because we're all making mistakes all of the time. And all of our glorious mistakes hodgepodged all together in this beautiful thing we call church doesn't always feel awesome. And so he goes, listen, the way you're gonna survive this, the way my love is gonna actually come out and be a full expression is you've gotta stay connected to the vine. It can be done. He said, it can be done. But if we lose track of the source of love, we will never experience God's love in the church. We're gonna abandon this thing and go run and isolate because it's too hard. Are you with me? And so John is saying, I'm pleading with you, don't lose track of the source of love in your life. Don't lose track of the source of all goodness in your life. I love that one of my favorite songs we sang it to get today, that you are good. You're good. Oh, God. There's one thing we can count on, is that God is always the same, and he never changes. He doesn't shift, and he is always good, and he's always loving. He's always good and he's always loving. And if we can learn to just do this, just to connect to the vine and do what John says in this passage, we can work through this thing called church. And beyond that, we can truly become the light to the world. Because people want to know that in their mess, they can find love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Because they find real people that found the same thing in a real church that doesn't cover that up and pretend like we're a bunch of plastic perfect people. You know what I'm saying? Rather, we're a people that are willing to love through every circumstance. Verse 11, let's jump back. This is the message you have heard from the beginning, from the beginning. It's always been the message. It's the message that God brought from the beginning. When the world was created, same God, 
a God that loved his people and wanted to see them in eternity with him forever as love is made permanent by choice. This message you have heard from the beginning, we should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. Why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what is righteous. So don't be surprised, your brothers and sisters, when the world or the world system hates you. Look, this is, a, this is an attitude and a heart of worship. And Abel brought to God what God required. And so it said that Abel's offering or his sacrifice was a righteous offering and sacrifice because he brought actually what God wanted to him. And Cain's wasn't because Cain brought what he wanted to bring in the way he wanted to bring it. And this is a lot like us, isn't it? It's where there are times when we get off track and we just kind of want to bring to God what we think he needs and what we want to bring to him. But, and sometimes we think he wants us to act perfect or be perfect or do everything just right and like be the super Christian or show up to worship more times than everybody else, read more Bible scriptures than everybody else. God doesn't really want your sacrifice. He wants your heart. God wants your worship. And he wants your pure worship to him. That is what he's really looking for. The heart of Abel is to bring what God wants from you, which is he doesn't need you to clean you up. He doesn't. So that you bring like that perfect offering to him. Oh God, I worshiped you perfect this week. That's not what he's looking for. But it says Cain actually belonged to the enemy. Do you see this? You can belong to someone. And when you give your life to Jesus, you belong to him, and something is then produced out of your life. When I give my life to Jesus, then I'm no longer the owner of my life. But if we give ourselves to something else, we give ourselves to the enemy. And there's a spirit of Cain, and there's a spirit of Abel. The spirit of Abel is the spirit of true worship to God. And the spirit of Cain is the worship to the devil, the worship to the enemy. Lucifer, he's a fallen angel. He's a real dude out there. Who is, they, the Bible says, like a, a lion just roaming around to see whom he may devour. He's trying to eat you. He's trying to eat me. He's hungry for you. There's a thing is that you and I, when we bring true worship and our true heart of love and connection to God, we own all the land because Jesus went and purchased it for us and he purchased it back from our enemy who stole it from us. And our enemy, Lucifer, doesn't like it when we fall in love with God and start to allow his love to express itself through our life because then we start taking back all that territory. He doesn't like that. And so he's mad at you and he's mad at me. Every time you connect to the Father and you allow expression of love, do not be surprised that the world system hates you because the world system that is not being led or influenced by believers is being led and influenced by the enemy. Two spirits at work right now, guys. No neutral like average peoples. Good and bad. Light and dark. This is the way it works. And wherever territory we, the church, are not bringing the full expression of God's love into, the enemy has influence in, as to, and it's ground that he has stolen from us. And it's our job to go take it. So do not be surprised that you're finding opposition the better you do. 
the more God's love is working in and through your life. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too, y'all. Y'all, I got you, Texans. I got you. Verse 14, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we've passed from death to life. We pass from one spirit to the next. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. This really is a heart issue. And Jesus is the one that taught John this. Again, he said that if you murder in your heart, you, it's, it, that, that hatred is murder. There's no difference. It is tearing another person down, robbing from their life. This is death. This actually produces death. But when we love, simply learn to love other believers, that is an expression that shows that we've moved from one spirit to the other. A person is still dead, who is still dead, um, has not experienced God's love moving in and through their life. And that fellowship with God it actually, that connection with him starts to push out all of that death. And this is not like a judgment thing for us to go around trying to find out who's really saved or not. You know what I'm saying? This is about you and me. We get to look at our own personal life and say, what's happening inside of me? What is the fellowship that's happening inside of my life with my living God, my God who loves me. And if I am not expressing love towards believers, even just God's believers, right, then there's something disconnected in me. I'm disconnected from the vine. I need to press in to that space and allow that love to then begin to push out the hatred, push out the bitterness, push out the, dis the discouragement or whatever it happens to be that is causing discord or disunity between you and I and any other believer. It's a great space for you and I to test to see what is our love relationship with God looking like. When hatred and anger are pouring out of a person's heart, it's coming from a life connection with who you belong to. If you're struggling with bitterness, you're belonging to it. You're giving yourself to it. How much longer do you want to struggle with that? How much longer do you want to belong to that and let it take possession of your life and produce its fruit in and through your life, which is gonna be hatred and discord? It's the spirit of Cain. There's a shift, and it's in Galatians. The book of Galatians says, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide my life. When you and I get off track, when we start to see these things coming out of our life, it's a, it's a heart connection problem, not a willpower problem. It's a life source connection, disconnection problem. It's, I need to get connected to the vine. I don't make excuses for my behavior, amen? We don't make excuses for our behavior. We make a connection change. Amen? Lord, let me connect to your spirit because out of your life-giving love relationship is going to come the fruits of your spirit, which will produce love, not hatred, towards my brothers and sisters. Verse 16, we know, that we know what real love is. 
because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before God. We can be confident that our connection to the living, loving God is real when we see this fruit coming through our life. You cannot pretend this stuff. We can't pretend it. It doesn't feel genuine when we fake it. There is a saying in the South, now I'm picking on Southerners again, fake it till you make it. That does nothing. Connect until you produce it. That's the kingdom life. Worship Jesus, connect to the vine until you produce the lifestyle. And if we're not producing a lifestyle, there's a connection problem. But it is very practical that our actions, they, they really matter. They are an expression of God's love. We ought to see out of this, this connection we have with the Father, this connection we have with the Son, the Holy Spirit, it produces real action. We see love needs around us. We see what love has compassion for, what God has compassion for. When we're in love with him, we see what he sees, and we see the needs of people around us, and we see that because we're not afraid, we're willing to be generous, right? When we're in love with God, we trust him for a source of all of our resources, financial, uh, relational, all of those things. And so we can give freely when we see need. People sometimes just need friendship. They need fellowship. They don't just always need money. This is an example of someone who needs like practical things. And it's just a great example of when you have something and you're doing good and you have stuff to share and you find needs because the eyes of love are looking for those needs. They see those needs. Love is looking for stuff. God is looking for stuff to do. And he's looking for stuff to do with you. Because when you experience his love moving through your life, it changes you. It shapes you. When we experience his love moving through us, it actually causes us to grow and mature and become more like him. And it's way more fun. It's a lot more fun than letting bitterness or anger and hatred and other things move through our life. That robs and steals from us all the joy and all the goodness. But the truth comes, is proved out in our actions. These are connected. And James connects these two things as faith without works is dead. Love without action is just not real love. It just isn't. It, we have not truly fallen in love with God, and we have the proof that we're in love with God when the fruit is coming out. It comes back to this vine connection. He says, with me you will produce much fruit. You and I can't help pr produce fruit when we fellowship with the Father. It just naturally begins to come out, and if this kind of fruit is not coming out of our life, it's a great place, again, for us to self-evaluate and say, I want to experience the things of the kingdom. Life, love, right? Joy, peace, happiness. I want to experience these things, but they come 
from a connection with the life love giver. And when we express actions of love and we give ourselves away to others, it's really the greatest feelings, responsive feelings that we have in our life. So we see that we helped someone and their life is transformed and shifted because of God's love for them moving through us. But when you connect with God, he's going to open your eyes to see needs. And then you'll have the opportunity to meet and fill those needs in a very practical way. So think about this. Look, love, live it. Yeah? Look, love, and live it. Look, love, live. Or see, love, and act. You can do whatever you want, but love connection is going to cause you to see stuff. See people's real practical needs and meet them. Verse 20, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. That's a good thing, right? How many of you got glad that God is greater than your feelings? Thank you, Lord. And he knows everything. Whatever you're feeling, whatever I'm feeling, the worst feelings we might ever have from the worst things we have ever done, God knows all that stuff and he gets it all. And the Bible says this other thing. He says that no matter what you've done, you come and run boldly into the throne room of God and find mercy where you grace, where you need it most, when you need it most. Then he says this interesting thing. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. Those sound like almost opposite things, don't they? If you feel guilty, run to God boldly where you find mercy. But there's this counterbalance that is not contracting or contrasting that truth. That is the truth. We run to him, we find connection, we find love, acceptance, forgiveness from God all the time. And when we walk in purity, free from guilt, it produces a level of confidence in us that changes what we see and how we act and behave and how we interact with God. That's also true, right? And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. A, a, a pure heart and connection to God and righteous living, living in that love. Living in that love produces righteousness, by the way. When we slip out of love, it's when we produce unrighteousness. We all, we all, right? When we slip out of love and we fall out, we get lost or distracted, we begin to make messes. We begin to cause problems. And those problems are solved and fixed when we reconnect with love and do what love says. Love begins to repair. Love begins to own. Love begins to make things new, right? And bring people back into unity. This is what love produces all the time. But this is an interesting passage. Verse 22, it says, we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him. In chapter 5, verse 14, it says, we are confident, this is First John, we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. When we have a strong love connection and living in righteousness, it produces in us power and confidence and boldness. It's kind of awesome. When we're messed up and we're off track, we run to God with mercy so we can find that reconnection and he reproduces that same boldness, power, and confidence in us. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? The solution to everything in your life is run to Jesus. This is 1 John. If you really just want to sum it all up, it's like, 
you messed up, you're messed up, we're, we're in trouble, there's a problem, you're seeing that you're not loving people well, you're not behaving, you're not helping people enough, blah, 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 whatever it happens to be in your life, my life, the answer is run to Jesus. Worship him like crazy. I'm not seeing kingdom activity, my prayers aren't being answered, run to Jesus. You have a love connection problem. You're asking God for things that don't please him. That's really kind of the bottom line. You want to see prayer? I want to see prayer active in my life. Fall in love with Jesus. I'll see through the eyes of love, and I'll be just swimming in the midst of his love as all the stuff he wants to do. Look in verse 23. He says, and this is his command. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave lives in us. This fellowship is like also in the NIV is the word abide. And it's this interesting connection between the abiding relationship with God creates this koinonia or this fellowship that is beyond just hanging with each other. It's beyond what you could get at like a ski club. It's beyond what you could get in a music group or being a part of a sports team or loving the greatest sports team of all time and being a 12th man, a Seahawks fan. You... You cannot get this fellowship, this koinonia, this deep, intimate relationship that only comes as a result of this abiding relationship with God. You and I cannot get this anywhere else outside of a love relationship with Jesus and learning how to love other believers. It is what happens when we get knit beyond just activities. God actually intertwines our hearts with his love. And we care for each other beyond what seems reasonable, <laughs> right? And it's what makes love so real. It's what makes church life so awesome and authentic. As we work in love with him, we work through and in. We build these relationships as we build and do things for him. God builds and knits us together in a way that is supernatural. It's supernatural. And it comes as a result of being connected to the vine. So look in verse, chapter four, verse seven. Let's keep moving forward. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. This is a knowing issue. It's knowing who he is and his nature. If you thought you were gonna discover or, or something different about God than him being love, you, you thought about him wrong. If you thought you were going to find punishment, if you thought you were going to find uh, uh, condemnation, if you thought you were going to find a God who just wants to heap all kinds of rules and, and get you in line, or a God that wants to whip you into shape, you are searching for and going to meet a totally different God than the one who really exists. The God who really exists, who really wants you, wants to know you. And when you get to know him, when I get to know him, we find perfect love. Perfect acceptance based on nothing you and I have ever done. Actually, perfect acceptance while we are just covered in 
hoop, dung heap of grossness. He sees through all of that and says, I love you in there. You're like, me? You're in a huge poop pile. Covered in all poop. You know he can't see you because you're hidden and camouflaged by seven, eight feet of turds. And Jesus sees in you, and you're like, maybe just your eyes are poking out. And he's like, I love you. And you're like, I'm just poop. You're like, you're not poop. There's something in there that I made that I love. You're just covered in poop. That's the kind of God that we find and fall in love with. A God that sees past the poop. Put that on a t-shirt. I just love, that's a, that is a book title. Yes, you're right. The God who sees past our poop. But you know what? There is really not a better way to describe that. Jesus even said that, I promise, I promise there's not a better way. <laughs> Whatever. Jesus said even our best acts of righteousness are as filthy rags. Or like menstruation, you know, you know those things. That's what that means. That's exactly what that is in the Bible. I didn't make that up. That's in the Bible. There's gross stuff in the Bible. It's exciting. Verse 9. <laughs> Verse 9, and God showed. This is so beautiful. He not, you not only discover him this way, but then he shows us. In such an extreme measure... Sometimes in the Bible, the Bible uses hyperbole, which is like an extreme example, and Jesus was famous for this, that says that God is like this, or it's like that. It's just really extremes. But God did this. This isn't just an example. This is the most extreme example that could ever be displayed. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him, not through our acts of righteousness. Verse 10, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Real love is not our expression back to God, our expression to one another. That's not real love. That's a response of real love. Real love is that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. The gigantic poop pile. And I'm talking, you could make a poop pile. Stop thinking that you don't have a big poop pile. I'm not thinking I don't have a big poop pile. Because this is plural. Take away your sins. All the sins of your entire life piled up. All over you and you're responsible for it. It gets to be a pretty big pile. Because you poop every day. You sin every day. I sin every day. Fact. And that piles up. You live to be 102, which I'm going to live to 102. That's a big pile. Jesus came and took it all away. He took it all away. You're not living in it anymore. You give your life to Jesus, you're not living in that anymore. He took it away. Dear friends, since God loved us 
that much. Surely we ought to love each other. This is the same example Jesus gave about forgiveness. I, get, I forgave you this billions of dollars and you can't forgive a penny? Right? This is love too. He loved us so much he took away all our sin. We can't love each other? Come on. God's love is so real and so tangible and he demonstrated it to us and our connection to him is a response to the great measure of love that is so big that when we tap into it, the Bible says in Ephesians is so vast and so wide, you'll never swim to the end of it. You can never discover how vast and how wide and how complete and how holy and holistic God's love is for you as an individual. Then everybody else on the whole planet, pile all that up. I mean, come on, God's love is endless. You'll never find the end of it, and it'll never stop transforming your life and bringing beautiful expression in and through you to others. It's actually such a beautiful expression, it boggles the mind. It just makes people's heads messed up. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Let's just read that, this little spot one more time. No one has ever seen God, except John. No one has ever seen God face to face, the Father in all of his glory, right? But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. The way we flex this love muscle <laughs> of where we connect to God, we like train it and we work it out by loving each other. We practice by loving each other. You and I will never have a full expression of God's love in our life just by connecting to the vine and never allowing that love to flow out of our life toward one another. When we let that love flow out of our life, it causes our love to grow and expand into full expression in you. You can have the full expression of what God's love wants to do in and through your life. Verse 13, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. All of this happening is proof that the Holy Spirit's in you. I remember what life was like when I didn't have the Holy Ghost in me. I was an even bigger disaster like a giant disaster, lonely, lost, hurt, just grasping, struggling, fighting just to find acceptance, to be loved, to be known. And I worked hard to find that. I worked really hard. And then I came to the end of myself and found Jesus. And in one moment when I said, Jesus, you are Lord, my heart was filled with more love and more presence and more acceptance and, and, and anything, anything I'd ever been able to earn on my own, not even close, through just one word of doing, of believing what he said I was called to do, Jesus, your Lord. And this explosion of love, everything I've been fighting and searching for in my life happened in just one response, one connection to the vine.
Verse 14, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Two things God's commanded you to do, right? Love him and love others. Verse 17, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. You see that? It grows more perfect. You exercise these two things, loving God and loving others. You're going to mature. We are going to mature. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But if we can face him with but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment and shows that we have not fully expressed or experienced his love, his perfect love. You see that when we get afraid of God judging us and punishing us or falling into punishment, love is not we don't understand how much he really loves us. Because when he came to rescue you, he didn't just rescue you from the sins you have done. And then he goes, well, I forgave you for those sins. But man, you screwed up from here. You should know better. But we think this way, don't we? And love hasn't been made perfect. In our, we have not actually experienced his perfect love, which means to know God. We don't know him well enough yet to know that he ain't like that. Do you know what I'm saying? He's not like that. That's not who he is. He's not a God that's looking to thump us and punish us for everything we did. And if we're expressing his love fully, and our love comes to full expression, we behave like him, right? We abandon the spirit of Cain, which gets what we want. Sometimes we want our own whipping and punishment, don't we? Well, look, I deserve this. And God's like, who are you to say what you deserve? Last I checked, I'm God and I'm love. Last I checked, in my nature is love. And in love is acceptance and forgiveness for all that you've done. Perfect love expels all fear of rejection, abandonment, punishment for our wrongdoing. It's ridiculous that we have a God that loves that great. And how amazing would it be if we as his people fall so in love with him that we could express that same kind of love to one another. James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. This word triumph is such a rad word because it means to boast and brag, which is something I love to do. If you know me really well, like you kind of have to get on the inside circle. Like if it wasn't for Jesus, then I would be like a humongous bragger instead of just a small one, okay? <laughs> it's like that part of me. Because this is what I like, and I think you're like me in a little bit of a way, is this word triumph means to stand over your opponent and brag over them and gloat over them. It's like, yeah! 
I think of Lawrence Taylor, if you guys are football fans, just plowing into a running back, boom, and you can hear him stand over him. He goes like, don't ever come in my hole, son. Woo! That's triumph. You think of Muhammad Ali and his famous like, yeah. Yeah, I'm the king of the world. I'm the greatest has ever been, right? He looks at him and everybody's laying. Everybody's laying down. Look at Muhammad Ali going, I'm the greatest who's ever been. That's triumph. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Come on. Mercy. When you allow the mercy of God to come through your life, you're Lawrence Taylor plowing through the hole. You're pounding the enemy and you stand over him. You say, Come on! How you like me now? That's how powerful the love of God is in your life. How the love of God is in my life. If you want to know the will of God and to get your prayers answered, fall in love with Him. If you want to know the will of God for your life and, and see a move of God and see every prayer you ever pray answered, you fall in love with God and you le learn to allow God's love to move in and through your life in such a way that everything you see is actually what pleases Him. Those prayers will always be answered because He's always wanting to move love in and through your life. It's really not that complicated. You fall out of the will of God, you fall out of love with God, you fall back in love with Him. And you run to Him and you find mercy when you need it most. Listen, <laughs> this, we... We're all, we're all the same, okay, right? This, we're, all, we're all the same person when it comes to God's mercy, God's forgiveness, and his love in our life. There's not one of us that whoever could ever live and whoever has lived that has not fallen, that has not made mistakes, that has not fallen out of love with God and fallen back in love with God. We're all the same. But when we fall in love with him and we allow his love to move through our life, we triumph over the enemy. This is what God wants to do with you and he wants to do with me. And he wants to show us how to do that with one another. That's why we don't give up on each other. God loves unity. Unity comes through working it out, right? Let's stand and let's spend a little time in worship with the one who created you, who made you. And before we leave, if you have never made a love connection with God, today is the best day of your life. It's so simple. Every single one of us have come up short like this, but there is a God who loves us. His name is Jesus. And it said here, we read it today, the only thing that is required of you is to believe. Believe on the one of whom he sent, Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. If that's you today, I want you to come and respond to the love of God. Come tell one of our prayer partners, and, and they'll be down here in the front. We begin to worship the prayer partners. I want you to come, and they're going to pray with you, and they're going to help you experience his love. It's so simple. Jesus, I love you. I give my life to you. You are king. You are God. You are Lord. Save me. Come on. You're going to be saved. Let's worship. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.